Hey, thank you for having me here today. My name is Steve. This is my wife, Dawn, and uh, we live in Morgantown, West Virginia. We live on a children's home, 233-acre boys' ranch. It's a school and a home for children. It's focused on family reunification under a, a Christ-centered umbrella. And so, but how we got there is the story that I want you to uh, take home with you today. What, what I want to challenge you with today is, is what does God have in store for each one of you sitting here today? What did God create you for? What did God uh, instill within you uh, from the foundations of the earth? What, why are you here? Why are you here? Are you here to just take up space or are you here to be part of God's story? And so I'm, I'm hoping that my story will resonate into your story and that you'll be encouraged to chase that and to prayerfully seek that and to pull people in around you to affirm it. And, 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 and so I'm going to back up a little bit. So my, um, my background is, is one of, um, uh, it came from West Virginia. I was born here. Um, but my father died when I was 13 years old, and my teen years were rough. Uh, I, 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 I went down a path that I, I, I was with people I shouldn't have been. I, I found myself in places that I shouldn't have been. And, um, uh, and, I, and I was angry at God for, for my teen years. I was, I was frustrated. I was like, why, God, why did you take my, my father away? I had a good relationship with my father. And, and I, and I, and I was, it struggled with that during my teen years. And, and, I, and I didn't have a father figure that stepped in. You know, I, I didn't have anybody that really stepped in and began to pour into me spiritually. It, it just was a void. And, and so as I was approaching my college years, somehow I got through high school. Uh, somehow I got into college. And I'm at the University of Georgia, and it's at my second year of college. And I can just remember, man, I, just, I hit a wall one night. And I, and I, I got down on my knees in my, in my, my room, and I said, God, I, I don't know what I'm here for. I don't know what this life is about, but I want more. And I, and I need to know what this is about. And I remember I, I, I grabbed this, this old blue uh, Bible. I, I, for some reason, I had it in a box of stuff in my, uh, in my room. And I dusted this thing off. And it was, um, it was a Bible that had been given to me when I was 13 years old. The last thing I did with my father, we, we got baptized together. You see, he was pursuing Christ. In his sickness, he was pursuing Christ. And God was starting to stir something big in him. And, and um, uh, I, I thought, man, he, God's going to heal him. You know, I really thought God was going to heal him. And the last thing, we, he came to, my dad came to me and he said, I want you to understand one thing. He said, I, I, you know, I might not always be here, but I want, uh, I, I want to be baptized. Uh, I know I'm fighting this cancer and I want to be baptized. And I said, Dad, I want to, I want, I'm ready to do it as well. And so that was the last thing we did together. They gave you a Bible when you get baptized, and then um, that thing just got put on a shelf for years and years and years. And so there I am in my dorm, my, my room at the University of Georgia, and I said, God, I need to know. I don't, I don't, I, I don't even know where to start in here. And uh, by God's grace, I landed in Ephesians 2. And it is for by grace you have been saved through faith that it is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, 
so that no one can boast, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, it, we are God's workmanship. And I said, well, what does that mean? What, what am I? Obviously, God created me for something, but I couldn't, I couldn't discern, I couldn't figure it out, I didn't have clarity. And, and, and so I began praying, I said, God, just, just show me what this is all about. And it's interesting how God can take the pains of your past and make them the strengths of your future. You know, and so I had these, I had these, these, this painful teen years. I was w- w- where I wasn't supposed to be. I was with people. I saw a lot of stuff, and I began being drawn into law enforcement. And uh, I put my application in, and next thing I know, uh, I was going to the police academy. And uh, for the next 12 years, I was a police officer in Metro Atlanta and absolutely loved what I did. I got to do detective work for a few years. I got to do undercover work. I got to uh, eventually work with a street crimes unit that worked with the FBI gang unit, and, and things were wide open. I mean, every night, uh, I was like a, I, I was in my zone. Okay, you know, this, that's what I was created for for that season. I was in my zone. Uh, we were cleaning up neighborhoods. We were, we were putting really, really, really bad guys away. I can remember this lady coming to me, a uh, heavyset lady, and she just hugged me and pulled me in, and she said, I haven't been able to come out after dark in years. She said, now I can go to the grocery store. I can feel safe. And, and, and so those were my moments. I could also remember taking guys to jail, and they're in the back seat of my car, and they said, out of the blue, hey, uh, did you ever go to church, or, or, or do, do you, did you ever, uh, did you ever uh, uh, steer wrong when you were young? You know, they had questions on the way to the county jail, and, and there might, it might have been prompted by a song on the radio or uh, something that happened at the scene, but God was using my years in law enforcement to plant seeds in people's life and to tell them about the truth of Jesus. And so this whole thing was building and God introduced me to my wife. And uh, so we got to, uh, we, we met at church, a big church in Atlanta, a big singles group. It was actually about the size of this group here. It was, you know, one of these big churches in Atlanta. So, but then my shift changed and I couldn't, uh, I, I was working day watch and I couldn't get to church and I was wondering you know, what's going on with Dawn? And I, uh, I was having, you know, this is before cell phones and beepers and, uh, you know, things. And so we, we were, we were, uh, so I remember I, I, I positioned my patrol car um, where I could see her Jeep Wrangler coming up the road. And I waited for her to get right in the middle of that church parking lot. And I'd, I'd sweep out and turn the lights and sirens on. And, and then I'd get out and I'd, you know, I'd put on the PA system, ma'am, show me your hands. Um, and, <laughs> And people are walking in the front door, and they're like, man, I wonder what that, wonder what that girl did over there. And, and so I get up to the door, and she's like, just, I just remember just her shaking her head. She said, what do you want? I said, I want to go out with you. Um, so we started, uh, we had a great uh, time dating. We both were, she was working at a hospital late as a social worker. I was working these crazy hours, and, you know, growing up in Atlanta, there's all these things. You know, the city never sleeps. But God brought us together for a reason, and this whole journey just kept building and building, and um, and so it was when we met that God began stirring something within both of us. What are we going to do with our lives? What are we here for? 
What has God put us on this track for? Is it just to have kids and get into a neighborhood and then maybe one day raise a little bit more money, get in a neighborhood with sidewalks and then raise a little bit more money, get in a neighborhood with sidewalks and a swim and tennis? You know, that's the Atlanta way. That was it. It was like you, you just kind of move up and you wait and, oh, now we got sidewalks. I remember a friend saying, hey, we got in a neighborhood with sidewalks. I'm like, you know, wow, that's great. <laughs> And, it, and these were real goals that people had, and I just, and, and, but it, it didn't resonate with us. We were like, what are we going to do? What are we here for? What do we, what do we, what's our workmanship as a couple? What do we want to raise our kids under? What do we want to fight for? And, and, it, and it seemed like it was going to be something with youth. And so what I'm trying to tell you here is that when God begins to plant a seed, sometimes it's not a lightning bolt turn on the television, there's your answer. Sometimes it's, it, it, God gives you like, you're doing detective work and you're, you begin to get uh, prompts from God and you begin to get um, uh, the scriptures speak to you. And then there's, your pastor speaks to you. And, and you begin to get um, uh, something that resonates in your spirit. It says, hey, maybe I'm, maybe I'm created for this people group over here. See, we're I'm not talking about going out and rescuing dogs and cats. I'm talking about going out and rescuing people, real people that uh, you have a passion for. I'm talking about what, where, where's the heart of God? Having a Christian life that pleases and honors God. And, and okay, so my, my sister, for example, she is, um, uh, she loves the elderly, she loves being around them. She loves ministering to them. Um, and her, her gift is artwork. And so she's figured out a way, and she's got permission, and she goes into these nursing homes, and she gets and she sets up all these easels, and they wheel these little old ladies. Uh, there's not too many old men, you know, guys, the clock's ticking. Um, <laughs> and so they get the, all these little old ladies set up, and, and they, get the, they get to paint flowers and a, a, a lighthouse or whatever. But she uses that. She uses that watercolor time to usher in the gospel and, and to minister to the heart of these, these people that don't have family members visiting them very often. It's a lonely place in a nursing home. It's a lonely place. And she's, she's, that's her gift. That's her talent. I'm not there. You know, I, I, get, I get to a nursing home and I'm like, whew, you know, and I guess <laughs> I, I just... It's just not, I'm not what I come out, what I was cut out for. What I was cut out for was these, these troubled, these troubled boys, you know, that's, that's where God took me from law enforcement. That's who I was when I was a kid. And so Don and I, we're going on our journey together. We're, we're, we're building our, our lives and uh, this stirring is starting to get and I'm not saying it wasn't immediate. This was about two years of prayer and pulling in people, godly people from our church around us and saying, hey, what is, what is this, uh, what, what do you think we are, should, should we start working with the youth? Should we start working, should I get, go to seminary? I mean, I remember sitting down with my pastor and saying, hey, should I go to seminary? Thinking that that was a golden ticket to get equipped to do God's work. And I realized that we could start at any time. And so, this is where God started. And I was watching that video and it resonated, it resonated the, the lady talking about the childcare and uh, my wife leaned over because I didn't say this in the first service and she leaned over and she goes, you need to share that story. 
Um, and so we're, we're at church in Atlanta. Uh, I don't know, there's 1,500 people in the audience. And the, this lady gets up, and, I, and I'm a police officer at the time. This lady gets up to do the announcements, and she's talking about, you know, the upcoming this and the upcoming that. And she said, and by the way, we need help in the nursery. And Dawn elbows me. And I said, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm a six foot five cop. What am I going to do in the nursery? Uh, and she said, well, we've got a baby down there. Why don't we jump in? We got, you know, we're in, why do we have to, why don't we start? Why don't we, and I didn't have any argument. And, and, and what I'm conveying is sometimes if you don't have clarity, there's places you can serve and jump in and God's going to work out the rest. And so we started <laughs> in the nursery changing diapers. And I think we did that for two years. Uh, and talk about, I, we're running a huge children's home now, but it started changing diapers in the nursery. And that was our first act of service at a church that said, hey, we need some help. And, and my wife's nudging me to saying, gay, let's get involved. So as you're journeying on your journey to find out what you're created for, what's your workmanship Sometimes the most dangerous thing in your house, men, is that easy chair. It's not the gun in your closet. It's that easy chair. We can waste years in that thing. Yes. Get up and move. Find something that's going on in your community. Find out something that's going on here. Don't wait for God to just paint the whole picture and mail a, uh, a brochure to you in the mail about what your yes. gifts are. Yes. This is a journey that you're going to discover along the way. And, and let me tell you, from an, an adrenaline junkie, uh, it, it, it'll fill your soul. Um, that journey is fun. You know, God, God gives us the desires of our heart. So my, I see an officer in the back, and thank you for your service. Uh, I, the lights are bright, so I can't really tell what color your uniform is, but I'm state trooper. Okay, thank you, sir. Uh, so you'll get a kick out of this story. So I, I, I'm out of, I've been out of the game for a while, and, and I miss it. I miss it a lot, you know. And, and what we're doing now is incredible, and I wouldn't train, change it for anything. But every once in a while, God throws you a bone. So I'm at, uh, I'm at the, I'm at, I'm, I'm downtown at the Sheets gas station in Morgantown, and I'm walking. This is about a year ago, not even a year ago, several, 10 months ago. And I'm, and I'm, um, and I'm, I'm walking in, and I see uh, somebody that's on something, eight, late 20s, and he's strung out. It's 10.30 in the morning, and I'm with my little one, and I just, I grab the top of his head, and we, you know, I'm like, let's just stay away from that dude. Discernment, okay? I'm talking about that in a minute. Um, when you get involved and God pulls you in, discernment is key. I mean, you just can't help everybody. You got to start somewhere, and you got to protect, and you got to figure out things. But anyhow, I knew I needed to get away from, so we're over, we're getting our snacks, and this guy wasn't being disruptive. He was just, his eyes spoke volumes, so we're... Uh, we get our gummy bears or whatever, and we're coming back to the counter. And I noticed he's at the door now talking to two officers, uh, male officer, female officer. And um, one of them's calling in his ID, and the other one's kind of looking at his boots. Seems, you know, they, weren't, they weren't on their A game. It was early. And I, I, looked, I, I just stopped for a second, and I, I reached down to my son's ear, and I said, let's just stand here for a second. This is going to get good. <laughs> and... Um, and, and it was about 30 seconds into it, uh, 
the guy threw a rod and it was on. And so uh, this fight goes barreling out the front door and they're all, they're trying to get a hold of this guy, but he's wired for sound and he's going, he's giving them all he's got and and they all go falling down. Well, the mail officer kind of hit his head on one of those fixed benches out front and then the bell went off. I was like, this is the green light. This is, I've been waiting years for this, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And so I, I I grab my snack and I give it to my son and I said, you stand here. He said, yes, Dad. And I go run out there and I said, former officer, can I assist? And that lady screamed, please. And that's all I needed. And so we, I went in and it was, uh, I, it was like, a, you know, I could have heard the Rocky theme playing. I was there for just a moment, uh, but God gave me just a brief moment of uh, satisfaction. We got the, got the guy uh, secured. She pepper sprayed all of us. Uh, and I, got, I went back in and my son's just jumping up and down. And he said, dad, that was the best father and son outing ever. He goes, oh. he goes, let's drive around the city and look for other bad guys. And <laughs> I said, ah, and we'll, we'll, you know, that was really cool. So we go, we're going up to the counter and we put our stuff on. He's laughing, we're high-fiving. And the manager comes over and she goes, no way, on the house. And, um, and he goes, and we get free food. And, and so we got... He, you know, so we, we, we left there and he was just, and so I was, God gave me something where I was elevated in his eyes and we had a, a, a best father-son moment. I could, I, it couldn't have paid for anything better than that. Um, man, I got way off course here, but what I'm, what I'm trying to say is that God will, he fills your desires. I mean, this Christian walk is not boring by any means. In fact, the more you get engaged in the and, 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 and taking territory for the gospel, the more conflict you're going to face, just like that fight in the Sheets gas station. Spiritual warfare is real. I've seen it over and over again. So we land at Eagle Ranch in Georgia. My wife and I decided, hey, we're going to get on the front lines of this uh, we're, we're gonna, we're, we're, we gotta figure this out. We found ourselves being drawn to a children's home in North Georgia, and I hung the badge up, and we went to be house parents in one of the, the homes on this property. Now, now, let me give you a picture of what Eagle Ranch is. It's been there for almost 40 years. It's huge, 300 acres. Uh, uh, they've got six boys' homes, four girls' homes, um, on the property and just amenity, horses and chapel. It's, a, it's a, the, one of the most beautiful children's homes in the entire country. CNN has done stories on this place. There's books written about Eagle Ranch. It, it, set, the, it set the standard in the early days when a lot of these big Christian ranches were, were emerging. And, and we, we got on the front lines of this. I said, if we're going to do something like this one day, this is what we need to do. And so we, we, got, we got on... Um, we became house parents, and I thought being on this street crimes unit would have prepared me for anything, but being a house parent to seven tough, tough boys, uh, it rocked our world. It, it, it stretched our marriage. It, it grew us in ways that I never thought. You know, when we got hired there, they said, oh, by the way, you need to go to marriage counseling, was it once a month? Once a month. And I said, oh, I don't go talk to, I don't talk to anybody, you know. I'm this tough, 
cop. I'm not going to. Oh, they said, no, 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 it's required. I said, what's required? We're fine. We're here. We're, we're serving. It's preventing, preventive maintenance. You need to go. I'm like, okay, I'll go. I'll go. Uh, and we found out that, man, was that, uh, guys, if you, if you need to go, go. Uh, counseling is not um, a soft thing to do. It's, it's, you're fighting for your wife. You're fighting for your, your family. You're fighting for your marriage. You're fighting to be something that you're created to be. And so we got, we got, into, um, we got into house parenting, and we had seven boys in our house. We were in charge of just, you know, one of the houses on the property, and this, this uh, we had, because of my law enforcement background, they would shuffle the tough kids to our house. I mean, we had a house full of chaos for three years. We committed to three years, okay? That might not seem like much, but the average stay for a house parent in America is eight months. It's one of the most quit jobs out there. You think you're going there to help these kids and love on them and la di da and it doesn't reciprocate, and you realize, man, what am I here? What am I doing? But what we saw while we were there, and we persevered through those three years, we saw a program that worked. I saw a lot of programs when I was a copper. These kids were in and out of the system, and, it, 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 and they were just coming out wiser. There was no heart change. There was no gospel-centered message being driven into their, into their past wounds. There certainly wasn't any family reunification taking place. And what we witnessed while we were there was a program that was attacking generational sin. It was fleshing things out that needed to be fleshed out from generations past. And these children were getting a childhood back. They were finding out who, what their workmanship was. They were being affirmed that they, somebody knew them by name. And here's this program that's Christ-centered program that's getting national attention, and I said, this is it. This, that aha moment happened finally for us, and we decided, let's take this model to an area of the country where the need is the highest. Let's go be the salt and light somewhere where the need's the highest. So I started doing research, and I found that West Virginia had, this is 14 years ago now, I found that West Virginia had the highest uh, dropout rates and poverty rates and these drug rates were starting to grow back then. And, and, and what we found is that, man, this is, this is the real, this is the mission field right here in West Virginia. And, I, and, and Dawn, uh, I talked a little bit about this in the first service, we had pretty heated uh, discussion about where, you know, so here's my wife from uh, Alabama, grew up in Texas, and I'm telling her, hey, we got to move to West Virginia. And she said, West where? And I said, West Virginia. God's calling us to West Virginia. That's where the need is. Uh, she said, well, don't they have troubled kids in Florida, like down along the beach somewhere? Um, I said, yeah, but there's already programs down here. Let's, and so there was a season where I had the table. I knew we had to be equally yoked. I knew we had to be equally yoked if this thing was going to, so I, 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 I drummed it down. And God brought her to bring it back up. And this thing got traction. And we moved up here 14 years ago. We had nothing. We, we decided we're going to do it debt-free. If God's in it, we're going we're to wait on the Lord. Um, we, were gonna, we had enough money to keep our family fed and afloat for 12 months. And we decided we were going to go after this and put all of our chips on the table and, and just see... What if? What if God shows up? What if? 
And so we moved uh, to Morgantown. I knew we needed to be a near populated area. I knew we needed to be around people. Uh, we landed in Morgantown. We bought a little old house up there in Morgantown. And um, for 12 months, it was one closed door after another. We could not find property. We couldn't find any common group of interest. Things were just stalling out uh, one after another. We looked at dozens of properties, and when people would find out we didn't have money and we weren't going to a bank, uh, they'd say, you're crazy. You're crazy. And, and, and the, these doors would shut. And I, I, and I started to believe them, you know, after 12 months and I'm running. We got down to $25.54 in our bank account that first year. And, and I'm thinking, God, what, did I, what am I doing? You know, what am I doing here? I've left my career. I've left my law enforcement career. I've left all the, 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 the creature comforts and the securities, and we're, we're out of bullets. I don't, know, I don't know where else to go from here. And, and, and what I'm conveying is when you step out and say, God, here am I, sometimes he says, okay, I've got some work to do. Before you get over here and you get down the tracks, we've got some work to do here. We've got some work to do in your marriage. We've got some work to do in your, your, your spiritual disciplines. We've got some work to do in, in your, your level of prayer life. Your, your, do you give till it hurts? Do you, do, you, do you love your wife unconditionally? Do you, um, are you really ready for this? And God began to just do all these things within us. And I can tell you, when you're down to $25 and, 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 and you're thinking you're going to be the laughing stock of the area because you've got this big vision and nothing's happening, and you, you start thinking, I've got to slide out of here and just, just respectfully, you know, sneak out during the night. And, and all these pride things and all these things begin to stir. And God just br he brings you right down to, it's like, it's like boot camp. Break you down and build you back up. And God began to run us through that spiritual boot camp for 12 months to equip us for where we are today. And so we had, we had, uh, we were getting ready to pull stakes. I was actually looking at job applications back in Atlanta. I was thinking, oh my goodness, I got to go through the academy again. I'm not sure I'm ready for this. Because um, once you're out for so many months, they they got they run you through again, and it's like, man, I'm not ready to be running seven miles at 6 a.m. and throwing up. And so this this journey this journey was coming that I thought was coming to an end was really about to just take speed and and, and launch. And this this property showed up on the market, 224 acres at the time. The guy wanted the owner wanted 720 thousand for it. We're broke. We're operating off a debt-free model. And, and I remember telling my wife, I said, you know what? I think, I think if, if uh, this is it. I mean, if this doesn't happen, we're, this, is our last, this is our last shot. We're going we're gonna to slide out and, and pull stakes. But God was stirring hearts in areas I never expected. Um, we had about eight. We had about as many people in this room on our mailing list, and that was it. And this, 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 uh, this, this miracle began to unfold right before our eyes. This property, six miles from downtown Morgantown, uh, it's back when the housing market was going crazy, so things were at a high end. Um, and these chunks started coming in. 
people were watching us. God had gone before us in ways that I never expected. Some of the Atlanta Falcons players surprised us. Uh, there were corporate gifts that came in, unusual corporate gifts like Mylan and Coca-Cola bottling. Uh, BB&T Bank surprised us. And so churches here, churches in Atlanta, and, and in nine weeks, we wrote a check for that property, and we had a $400 balance after the closing. I mean, talk about coming right up to the edge. And talk about coming up and, and realizing, wow, God just did something amazing here, but now I'm broke, and what, what, I don't even have a road into this property. What, what just happened? You know, all these emotions are going through my head. What did I just do? And ever since that moment, God has been, it's been like this dripping faucet. And, and the roads started going in, and the infrastructure started going in, and buildings started coming up, and mission teams were coming from all over the country, places I know. Uh, we're up to about 900 to 1,000 volunteers a year now. Um, we had a local prison get involved and start bringing the inmates out to help us build a place to keep kids from going down the same path that they're going the community started getting behind this like an Amish barn raising in ways that I never expected. But it took all those years before, you know, we're, 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 we're well in, we're past the 50-yard line on this vision. And we just finished a beautiful school that can educate 70 to 80 children. And we're about to start uh, building boys' homes, uh, three and four, and a chapel. And we're, we're rolling this thing out as God provides dial this thing back, and it started back when we were changing diapers, and we were newlyweds, and we jumped in with both feet, doing that for two years, dealing with stinky diapers, and I'm thinking, God, why do you have me here? You know, what, 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 it, what is all this for? Let me show you some scripture. Uh, Matthew 25. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry or feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you as stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? Then the king will reply, truly I tell you, Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are accursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. Then they will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? And he will reply, truly I tell you, 
Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. And they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. The message that I want to convey to you is what, what, is, what people group has God put on your heart? Like for me, the pains of my past led to my future focus. Young men that need a second chance. Boys that have been in the foster system, have been abused, been a, all the, 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 they've, they've lived in the fire without hope, without f- purpose, without a future. And, and that's what God has just driven our lives for. We're going to do this till the end. We're going to be buried on that property. And, and it's funny because we'll be often asked, well, why aren't you doing girls like we're, you know, uh, let me tell you, if we put girls on that same property, we'd have a mess. Um, if we're going to do a girl's ranch, we're going to do it on a separate piece of ground down the road, you know, with an alligator moat and a, I'll have, uh, we'll bring Trump's wall up and we'll figure that thing out. Um, but what people group, my, for my sister, it's the, it's the elderly, it's the lonely people living in those nursing homes. Uh, maybe you've got a heart for, my goodness, when I was pulling into town, we're driving through and I'm driving past that McDonald's and that Wendy's. Uh, the least of these were on both sides of the sidewalk. Um, they're all around us. I, I guarantee when we pull out of here, there's going to be somebody at the gas station or there's going to be somebody. And I'm not talking about just walking up and giving them a 20. I'm talking about using discernment and finding out what God has you for. And maybe that doesn't mean you're going to start something or launch something, but find out where God is working and get equipped. Jump in with somebody. Find out a mission that's here. Get involved with the ranch. There's service projects all over this place where God has led people to get things started. Don't, let, don't just sit back and let these years tick away. Get plugged into something. Start something. Find out where God's stirring. But you want to get, get started with something. Maybe it's going to start changing, uh, working with the kids and changing diapers. I don't know. I'm just saying that for each one of us, God's got, when you say, here am I, Lord, send me, it's time for boot camp. It's time for training. Matthew, um, Matthew 5. You're the salt of the earth, but, the, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, you are the light shine before men. Uh, Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. What, What does it mean to be salt and light? One thing, we need to be people persons. Like if we, if we got an attitude that nobody wants to be around, we can't be salt and light. We can be, uh, we can be the best Christians we can be, but if we got, um, you've been, been, a, been around a real grumpy Christian, you're like, man, what are they doing? You know, uh, this, 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 this uh, John Maxwell taught me early on. He said, um, people don't care what you know until they know that you care. And that is 
you want to you see that played out, you come to the boys' ranch. I mean, these kids, we've got some of the toughest kids. We've got a, we've got a young man that we just graduated from the program, and, and uh, last year he was baptized in our pond, and he has given his life to the Lord, and this thing is a, a Cinderella story. But let me back it up about three or four years when he was carried out of his fourth grade classroom in handcuffs, and his world's falling apart, and he wants, he's four, he's four foot nothing ready to take on Mike Tyson. I mean, this kid can uh, destroy a room. Uh, he's, he's, he's damaged property on the ranch. We've had to charge him with, uh, with local police and put him on probation. We've had to walk him through the justice system, but we never lost touch with this young man. We held him accountable for his actions, but he also felt the love of Christ during that whole process. And at one point, he said it was actually on a fishing trip that he realized, like the veil was lifted, and he realized that we really cared for him and that the message we were conveying to him was truth. And that whole process of they don't care what you know until they know that you care became a reality for him. And this young man became something that uh, we never expected. That kid should be in jail right now. He should be right where his father's at, in jail. And uh, I had the honor of taking that young man to the White House a few months ago on a leadership trip. And here I am walking this kid in, and I'm thinking, my goodness, this kid, this kid didn't have anything. And now he's being honored at the White House. What a unique story for that, that young kid. So dads, if you, if you guys don't know where to start and you can't figure things out, start in your house. Start praying over your little kids. Start praying over, if you're older and your kids are out of the house, pray for them. Let them know that you're praying for them. If they're in the house, let them see you praying for them. I mean, it may be, it may be as simple as you sitting down at breakfast in the morning and you've got your bowl of cereal, and you've got your Bible right next to you, and you say, hey, son, come here for a second. I'm just going to read one thing to you. And he might think it's the weirdest thing he's ever seen. What's my dad reading the Bible for? For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, that this is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Son, what do you think, what do you think that means? And, you, and what you're doing is you're actually having a Bible study right there over one word. What's workmanship mean to you? What, what, hey, son, what do you think you're created for? Hey, daughter, what do you think your future looks like? Have these conversations with them. You're going to plant seeds in their lives that it may change the whole course of their lives. It may change generations to come. But start somewhere. Start right there at your kitchen table. Pray over your children at night. Pray for their protection at school. Pray that they have a heart for others, that they have a heart for the least of these. Hear them. Let them hear you praying for somebody in your community. You know, let them hear you pray, pray for this nation that's just, you know, it's just crazy right now. I, like I tell my children, I don't care who's in the White House. We need to be praying for that place. I don't care if Donald Duck's sitting in there. 
Let them hear you practicing just some of these basic Christian principles and don't check out when you leave this building. Dads, be dad. Lead, lead the charge. Wives, let them lead. I'm not talking about submission. I'm not going to go there. Because it's our responsibility to lead well, and I've had to learn that the hard way. Yeah. And now we're raising boys to be men. We're raising boys to be fathers. We're raising boys to be husbands one day. We've got a ministry that's, that's growing. Um, you know, raising, building a ministry of this size in West Virginia is not easy. We can't do a golf event and knock it out of the park like somebody in Atlanta can. So we've been having to think outside the box. And a few years ago, we started this, this thrift store. And the thrift store became this salt and light in the community where it became more than a thrift store. It became a place for the needy to get things. It became a place for uh, our boys to learn a work ethic. That's one of the most one of the biggest gifts I can get them besides the gospel is a strong work ethic. And these kids can, they go there and they, they, you find out that they want to be there. They want to be there during the week. And so we've scheduled it where these kids can earn a time at the thrift store and they're learning to work with the public, shake hands, look people in the eye, earn a paycheck, save for their first car. We're equipping them to be husbands and fathers one day and they don't even realize it. So we decided, hey, what else can we do in this community that'll resonate, that's simple, that's profitable, that honors God in all that we do, and that it's programmatic. It's, it, what I mean is that it, it, it speaks into the lives of these boys. And so two years ago, we bought this rundown quick lube in Morgantown, and we turned it upside down and, and changed it. And now we've got this beautiful Valvoline Express carrier that says, change your oil, change your life. We're looking at opening a second one in Morgantown. God's been blessing that. And so that, those two businesses are bringing about 20% of our needed revenue in. And now we're able to give back and Talking about being salt and light, we had a ministry come in from Cleveland, Ohio recently said, hey, can you teach us how you're doing this thing? So all these great things are happening. We're seeing boys coming to Christ. We're fighting through every storm with every child. We're restoring families with the power of Christ. And remember, it started back with changing diapers. It started back saying, hey, God, here I am, I send me. So as you guys go out these doors today, Think about what you're created for. Think about, uh, are you the salt and light in your home? Are you the salt and light in your street, your neighbor, with your family members? How can you change some of that? How can you throttle back and pump the brakes if you need to and let God move in and stir and do a work in your heart? Because God's got every one of us here for a reason. It's no accidents, no accidents. Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for uh, letting us be part of your story, Lord, and how you can take a broken teenager and give them purpose and passion for others, Lord. God, I pray for everybody in this room that their days will not just wane by, Lord, that they won't lock into that easy chair and that they'll want to get up and get engaged and get on the front lines for such a time as this. 
Lord, I pray that, um, that everyone here will have a heart for the least of these, that they'll feed when people are hungry, that they'll bring drink when people are thirsty, Lord, that they'll visit the lonely people in, in prison and, and, and when they're sick, that we'll have a heart for what you have a heart for. And that one day, Lord, when we are, we've finished our journey, Lord, you'll be able to just look us right in the eye and say, job well done. Lord, we give this day to you. We give our lives to you. Do a work in each one of us, Lord. If we need to go to spiritual boot camp, send us. Lord, if we need clarity on our lives, I pray that clarity comes in. If we need men or women to surround our lives, Lord, I pray that this church will uh, be that catalyst to, to, to raise up and send out. We just thank you for all that you're doing in us and through us, Lord. And we pray that our breath will honor you today. In Jesus' name, amen.